Um, so last week we talked about uh, my job description according to the Bible, and uh, this week it's, I couldn't tell this sermon likewise, because now we're going to focus on the believer, and you're not so, and I use the term job description, but the things God wants you to be. And so we, uh, we celebrate the 4th of July, and we're, we're proud that we come from humble beginnings, and we struggle for independence, and it was a struggle for control. And it was asking the question, who's going to be in control? Taxation without representation. may sound familiar still today in a lot of ways, but at least hopefully we can vote those things. And, but 4th of July, we remembered that it was a struggle for control a struggle for freedom and who would be in control. And life is a lot like that. Um, and church can be a lot like that. I, we really need to look at biblical definitions of when we talk about church. And especially in the society that we're dealing with right now, church is not a building. Church is not an organization. Church is the people of God that was ordained in Acts. And so we're the body, and it's not a bad thing, and it's a God-ordained thing. So we need to do a pay attention to church. And when people talk about not meeting together, you know, Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together, even more as you see the day approaching. And this is why we need to look at church as the family of God, that we need each other, and we were never designed to go alone. But in church, I know it's hard for you to believe, but there can be control issues in church. Hmm. There can be control issues on where the pastor wants to overreach his bounds and, you know, my way or the highway. And as we saw last week in the job description, you know, God gives a lot of authority to the pastor, to the overseer, but also they are to be like Christ and be an example to follow. There can be control issues in people on committees or church members or deacons or whoever, somebody in this, our sinful way, we want our own way instead of God's way. And so when you have, and especially in our society today, in the country we live in, we're Americans, and especially in Missouri, you know, we're the show me state. And so it's like, I don't have to accept anything you say. And, th and that's great. But when we get to the Bible, it doesn't work like that. And I'm thankful that we have the freedoms that we have here. We are blessed. But when you look at the people that are in the Bible and the governments they were under, most of them did not have the freedoms that we have here in America and that we need to guard and protect. But when it comes to church, we struggle to know who to follow. We struggle to let go of our will. And who's going to be in control and which way and why should I go that way? And you can choose to go your own way and in a proud way and God opposes the proud, or you can choose to go God's way, a humble way, and be accepted. So your action step today is submit to God's way. Submit to God's way. Accept God's design for biblical, um, for biblical authority. And again, I'm not here to convince you of anything. We're looking at God's word. I'm not here to say, hey, you need to follow me. You know, because... If I'm saying that, then what we talked about last week, I'm, I'm not doing those qualifications in my life. But God sets up a structure, no one's better, different callings, and, will, and people will answer. I will answer for how well I lead or how well I do not lead. And I'm not saying according to your opinion, according to God's. 
And so your points are going to spell out the word way. Submit to God's way. And last week I said, like we talked about my qualifications and reviewing them under the word know, knowingly, willingly serve, so I don't do it because I have to. I do it willingly. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we play the violin because it's hard. I can't do none of this. You can't do the Christian life without Christ and the Holy Spirit. But God doesn't want a pastor that is doing it out of obligation. And so I need to do it willingly. And I need to do it not for gain. And we talked about that, the fact that, hey, well, I'm doing it because I make the big bucks. No. And even if I did make the big bucks, I don't do it because of that. Or I don't help somebody out, so I'll be paid and all those things. But then we also see in the other side of it, the Bible says that it's okay to pay the minister. But my calling is not based on money. And so I need to do it willingly and not for uh, gain, but for God. And I need to be an ongoing example to follow. And then I need to wait for the reward. The reason I review that is because if you have a pastor that is following that, now we get to you. Now, the problem I've seen, I want to say in the American church, but it doesn't have to be in the American church, is when we get ourselves into something, we're like, well, I'll follow them if they respect me, or I'll follow this design if they do this for me. Um, and again, if a pastor's not doing those things, there's ways to handle that, but we need to be very careful about it. But I think most of the time what happens is we get exposed to God's truth and we don't want to obey it. And so just like police in our society now, I said everybody likes the firemen. They don't want to see the police. The police guard the moral line of society. And so therefore when you see them, a lot of times you may be crossing or up to that moral line. And so if a pastor is doing his job and he speaks the truth of God's word, You've got one or two choices. I'm going to follow that leadership or I'm going to cancel them out of my life. And so we need to ask the question, am I, am I putting myself under authority or, or not? So let's look at verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. All right, let's look at the first part. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. So likewise, which means in the same way as the pastor or the elder is submitting himself to God's control and being a servant to you, you likewise need to do the same. So, huh, you thought you were getting off easy. But now some of you think you're going to be getting off easy because it says you who are younger. There's about four ways you can look at that definition and say, you youth need to follow the pastor. The rest of you, I can't control you. You just do whatever you want. Just keep your mouth shut. No. It is talking about, there are four definitions for younger, and it's not talking about physical age. It also can talk about new converts, but it's also talking about the fact that those that are under the pastoral authority, believers. And one is new, recently born again, but it's talking about believers putting themselves under the authority to the pastor as, as part of the church. And again, I didn't pick this sermon out. I'm not doing a sermon, so you need to follow me. I think if any pastor is saying you need to follow me, they got problems. Okay? We're just looking at God's word and his structure. So what he's saying here is that we need to, we need to put ourselves under the authority to the pastor as part of the church. And again, we've had 
pastors and leaders. I've served under at least two pastors that they were like a Saul. One of them was like a Saul. And we know Saul and David. Saul treated David horribly, and Saul was God's anointed. Okay, And I remember uh, learning the verse that David said, perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you've done for me, but as for me, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And what that meant when I've served, and I'm talking about Mitch, when I've served under a pastor that you know, wasn't doing right, not according to my things, God didn't tell me to just climb up on him or get some deacons or something to take him over. No, God told me to follow him, and if there was a point where I needed to go, to go. And so I respected that he was God. God, don't you think God will take care of me if I'm doing wrong? Yeah. And yeah, in the New Testament, there is a way for a church to handle that, but we need to be careful on how we do that and not do it lightly. And so that younger believers means put yourself under authority to the pastor as, as part of the church. Notice he says subject, which means put yourself under, to be open to, to accept. Now, again, what I think we're dealing with in the American church, it's not about me, but I'm saying if we are preaching the word of God, what is happening is people are going to other churches to get their ears tickled. I'm not saying they're leaving here to get their ears tickled, but I'm saying if you really preach the word of God, what it says, people aren't going to like it because the word of God is very clear. And so what I think we're seeing in the American church is I don't like what you're saying because I would have to change something in my life or I'm convicted or a loved one is doing that and that means they may not be okay. And that's what we're dealing with right now. I don't want to, it's not so much I don't want to be under that person's authority. I do not want to be under the authority of the Word of God. And so if somebody is leaving for those reasons, that's wrong. I'm thankful for churches that I've been in where people I, I came in and they had issues and people didn't leave and they stayed and they helped make it better. But God can call you to go to another church, but I think what is happening in general is people do not want to be under the authority of God's word. And so therefore, I want to go someplace where somebody will not make me feel bad. I don't wake up to do a sermon to make you feel bad. I want you to feel good that you're saved if you know Christ. I want, you, uh, I want you to feel challenged that you want to grow closer to Christ, but we need to always in, include the truth. So we need to put ourselves out there. We need to be open to accept, uh, to, uh, to take, uh, it take, and this takes concentration. It takes uh, acknowledging and honoring and esteeming. This is what they're talking about when you put yourself subject under authority uh, to all in the church. And it means honoring, again, esteeming, recognizing, acknowledging, following, obeying, subjecting. I do not wake up every day saying, I'm going there and I'm going to tell everybody how the cow eats the cabbage and they're going to obey me. That is stupid and unbiblical on my part. I don't ever think of, I am the boss, because I'm not. But God puts that structure in there, not just, not just the pastor, but a plurality of elders and, and deacons and, and, and people in the church that we need to obey and subject. Like, uh, like the, the 
like, like the, the priest feeds the word of God and willingly oversees the flock, subject yourself to those who are wise instead of flaunting your own authority and submitting, and submitting uh, to grace. Let me read that again. And this is what we saw in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 5. Like, like the pastor feeds the word of God and willingly oversees the flock, we need to willingly submit ourselves to those who are wise instead of flaunting and saying, I know better. And if you think I'm anti-American, I'm not. I am thankful for the freedoms we have. But one of the things that we need to realize is Christianity is not a democracy. It's not a theocracy. It is the fact that God is king and we are not. And it's not about our opinion. It's about what his word says. And so that means we put ourselves under his authority. And so we need to submit to elders and as shepherds to submit, as shepherds submit to the chief shepherd, so the flock submits to the shepherd. So let me say that again. You submit to those in authority as I submit to the chief shepherd, and this is how it works. And again, if anybody has the attitude that they're better or they're in control, that's wrong. We need to all be servants. We need to follow Christ's example. Christ calls for all to lay down our pride and willingly and respectfully put our lives under the leadership of shepherds. Willingly, respectfully, we choose to lay it down. Believers are to submit to all authority, but especially in the church. And again, this is kind of weird to preach on this because my heart is never to say you're going to submit to me because it's not about me, it's about Christ. We're looking at scripture that has been placed over 2,000 years ago for God to structure his church. And so your first fill-in, following God's uh, way means we do it willingly. Notice what my first qualification is, that I do it willingly. And so what you're saying is, God, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to follow your structure. And again, I know a lot of us say, well, what if somebody's doing bad or whatever? Then you deal with it. But his structure is that we willingly submit. Willingly submitting to biblical authority requires a right heart. Let's look at the second part of verse 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Um, if we're going to willingly do stuff, a lot of times we've got to humble ourselves. I know a lot of you are, are, are way smarter than me in a lot of areas. And, you know, a lot of times I ask the question like, David, why me? Or, or why is anybody think? But it's not about me. It's about us following God and how, you, how people have submitted themselves. And I, it's like, who am I? Well, it's not about Russell. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is Christ's church. And so we all submit. But notice what he says here. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Clothe yourselves. That means to fasten, to strap on. And what it's talking about here, an apron that is worn by servants. It would be somebody doing a task or a trade, and they would wear a, an apron in order not to get their clothes wet or, to or, or, or soiled and to protect them and to put the job on. And so a lot of times that's what's saying, you know, strap it on. I want us to think about this. I am just naturally humble. Not. It's not that funny, but it's true. Okay? But so you got to think about this. All the time, everything around you in Satan, and 
is especially last month, uh, the word pride is being pushed around everywhere. If you look in the Bible, I'm not even talking about how the word pride has been used for last month, but the word pride is not a positive thing. And you very rarely see in the Bible other than being proud of God. Okay? And so it's easy to strap on pride. We had a lot of businesses and things strap on pride last, last month. And again, if you think I'm just talking about one thing, no. Pride is not a positive. How about any of you really wake up every morning and say, I'm going to strap on humility. That means it's not going to be my way. And even if I may know better, if God doesn't call me to let them know that, then I, it doesn't matter. You've got to consciously every day choose to put that apron on. And so he, he says here, those of you under authority, strap that apron of humility on every day. It's my requirement too. And so notice what he says next. All of you, believers, if you don't know Christ, none of this is going to do you any good until you deal with your core problem that you are a sinner. Guess what we all are? And the only way to be saved is through Christ's sacrifice. His death is buried on his resurrection. But if you've done that, you have the Holy Spirit, and while you're saved, you're struggling with your old self, and you have to choose every day, what am I putting on today? Am I going to be proud of my family? Am I, and none of these things are bad in themselves. Am I going to be proud of what I've accomplished, whether financially or spiritually or what all these things? No. I'm going to strap on an apron and say it's not about me. It's not about my desires. you got to think about that one every day. And he says, all of you, subject yourselves to all believers, um, and, and no matter uh, who they may be. Come on. In our mind, a lot of times, even your pastor, it's like, I'm better off than them. I may be better off, or I think I know better. And sometimes our Christianity comes across that way. It's not about me. It doesn't matter who this person is. We need to humble ourselves just as Christ with humility. So you put on the apron. He's calling all this with humility. That means having a humble opinion of yourself, a lowliness of mind, willing to serve, uh, the, the, to do the lowliest of tasks towards one another. And then we get back into the example. Peter knows what he's talking about. Christ washing the disciples' feet. I've told most of you, I grew up in a denomination where you had the Lord's Supper and you washed each other's feet. And that would scare half of you to death. And now it's like some of you, when I see you wear sandals or barefoot, I look at your feet and that's kind of nasty or whatever. A lot of us just don't you know, want that, okay? And then you get a certain age that your, your toenails start looking like potato chips or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, but, but that's a very humbling experience. You got that to look forward to, guys. All right? Um, I'm to get all okay, anyway. But, but in Jesus' day, a lot of people didn't have shoes, and if they had shoes, you could barely call them a shoe. And we're talking about a lot of them were calloused, you know, Phil Robertson, Duck Dynasty, he, he says in, he said one time he went for like a whole year with no shoes on. And can you imagine what, and he goes all over those, there's no way I do that. 
and how callous and nasty. Well, this is what people were dealing with in Jesus' day. They didn't wear sandals just to wear sandals, or they may not be able to afford shoes. And so when they went in at night for a banquet or just to eat, if there was a servant, they're the ones. Can you imagine? I, no offense, I love everybody here, but I don't want to touch your nasty feet. You don't want to touch my nasty feet. Mine are actually pretty good, but we won't get into that. Okay? But, but look at the example he says. Look at the example Jesus set. So can imagine you go back to the Lord's Supper, the initiation of that, and Jesus is washing their feet, and, and Peter says, no, you're not going to do that. And Jesus said, unless I do, I cannot fulfill what the Father wants. And then Peter says, hey, wash everything. And so Jesus, we need to submit to one another. We need to be covered in humility. In Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28, he said, it shall not be so among us, but whoever shall be great among you shall, must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And even as the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. Those are Jesus' words saying what he is called to do. He is the Son of God, so where does that leave us? And it's kind of interesting as we've watched the Chosen series, you see over and over what was being played out in the Bible. The disciples kept asking, and then they had their mama ask, Hey, who's the greatest, Jesus? Who's in the number one seat? Jesus, can you imagine Jesus just like, come on. And then he gets down and starts washing people's feet and he decimates any of what they thought. Do I like this in my flesh? Not at all. But you know what? Look what Jesus did for us. So you strap on that apron. You say, my yes is on the table and God, whatever you want. And I do want to brag on our church. I don't think our church is perfect. No church is perfect. But, you know, we talk about VBS or anything else. I have, I'm telling you, out of 30 years of ministry, I have never felt I've been in a church until now that everybody just jumps in and helps. Nobody balks at it. And that's what he's calling us to do. Strap on an apron. Serve. Doesn't matter what or where. And so... He said, following the example of Christ in John 13, verses 4 and 5, he rose from the supper, he laid, out his, laid his, aside his outer garments, and he taken up the towel, he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He, so he sets the example. And if the Son of God humbled himself, so can we. Because then you see in John 13, verse 14, it says this, If then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What does that look like today? Yes, I know I grew up in a denomination that did that. I don't, I, I don't think that's solid that we have, you have to repeat that like he initiated the Lord's Supper, but it's, not a, it's a beautiful thing. But what would that look like when we wash each other's feet? You know, it's not about you guys giving us anything. We're, we're a good church. You're a good church. But when, when you recognize this for being here five years and you actually remember the date, and I hadn't really, okay? That's just one way that you're taking care of me. Not because you gave me stuff. I'm just saying that you care. That's just the pastor. But what does it look like to wash each other's feet every day? To, to see where somebody has a need and saying, look, I could do something else, or I would sure like to be in air conditioning watching TV, but I guess I'll stop and help you. Not because you're better, but because this is what we're called to do. And because Jesus did it. And if then you, your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another's feet. So your next fill in submitting to God's way means we need to stay all, always with humility. I, I'm telling you, if I don't start the day with God, it normally doesn't end too good. And there's some days that happens, believe it or not. But if we don't consciously put on the armor of God, if we don't consciously say, look, I'm going to love people and serve today, then our way is going to get in there. And it's not going to be good. And we definitely haven't strapped on humility. So we need to always be strapping on humility. Uh, is being humble that important? How, how, can, how can we always be humble? Let's look at the last part of verse 5. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. For God opposes, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes. That means he resists. He's in war with anybody. That term opposed means being set at war against an enemy. And James really talks about you can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. And so if we're not following God, we are his enemy and it's our choice. And so he opposes the proud. The proud means those that think they're above or over esteeming themselves. Some of you are old enough. Remember Cheers. Oh, no, he brought up a drinking show. Okay, but I think, of, I think of Cliff Clavin. And Cliff Clavin always knew better. He always knew more of himself. And we got a lot of people out there like that in our society. But when we choose to be prideful, I know better, I am better. And you say, oh, I wouldn't think that way. But there are so many ways, especially in American Christianity, only if they'd come the right way. Yes, we want them to come the right way to Christ, but sometimes we come out very prideful in that. 1 Peter 3.15, with gentleness and with peace, give a reason for the hope that you have. Yes, they're going to say, you think you know better. And you think you're right. And I'd be like this. The only reason I know anything is because of Christ, and I'm not right about anything, but I believe God is. And so God opposes, he resists, he's at war with those that think they're better. And this is what somebody is doing. When they say God's way is not the right way, they're being prideful and say, I know better. Those who look down on one another, who feel superior to one another, who discriminate uh, against one another, who are prejudiced, who are boastful, who are haughty, he opposes them. I feel we're seeing that in reverse on people don't want to have conversations about what God's word says about things that we're dealing with. They just want to shove what they believe down our throats and say that we're wrong. And it's not about being wrong or right. It's about this is what God's word says. You, you wrestle with God. But to the humble, he gives grace, his favor. Those that, are in low, that choose to be in low degree and to strap on humility, he gives his grace. The humble person will also bear the fruit of God's spirit in their life. Galatians 5, 23 and 24 says this, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let's, let's, let's kind of visually look at this. So I wake up and I strap on the, the apron of humility. That's a choice I'm saying. It's not about me. It's about God and how I can point to God today. That's how you strap on that apron every day. And so then God is not opposing you. 
Because, guys, even if I strap on that apron of humility, guess what I want to do all the time? I want to take it off. Oh, really? I'm going to tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. I'm going to tell you what to do. If you're, you're pushing me. But notice how we can do it, guys, how we can keep that apron on. He gives grace to the humble. He gives favor. He gives the power of His Holy Spirit. He, he, as we get into His Word, we see, we are reminded, we are saved and we are nothing and that our reward is not here right now to be right. Our reward is that Christ is right. And so the humble, he, he also, when somebody is strapping on the apron of humility, they produce fruits. Galatians 5, 23 and 24, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, a humble person can be a very loving person. A humble person can be a joyful person because they're not basing their self-worth on being right. They're basing their self-worth on that God is right and God has accepted them. A humble person can be at peace. It can be, everything can be falling around you, but it's that peace that passes all understanding because you know that Christ has made it right and you're humbling yourself. Long-suffering. We know it's not going to end here. Gentleness. It's not about me. It's about God. Self-control. I need God's grace that I, my mouth doesn't shoot off. I need God's grace that my actions don't shoot off. The humble will have full assurance also. So, they, so the humble have God's grace. Humble can produce the fruits of the Spirit in their lives that are attracted to people. And also the humble will have full assurance of God's provision. The person who walks humbly before God, recognizing and acknowledging the value of others, shall receive the blessing, the grace of God. I need God's grace. I'm, I'm just a horrible person on my own. I need your grace and I need God's grace, but your grace needs to be God's grace. Because if you give me grace, it's not grace. Did I say grace enough? You know, But grace is that undeserved favor of God. And the reason we can give others grace is because we've received grace. And so your last feeling, submitting to God's way, will always yield grace. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You say, well, you know, what is, you know, if I'm going to follow the pastor, if I'm going to follow God's design, what do I need to do? And just like on the 4th of July that we celebrate the fight for control, there was a fight that was celebrated way before this, and this was over sin and Satan. And we see that the fight began in the garden, and we see that we chose our way. And then we see for the whole of the Bible till we get to the New Testament, then we see the fulfillment of Christ coming and living a perfect life and being tempted in all ways and yet He did not sin. And He died and was buried and rose from the dead so that we can have victory over death, hell, and the grave. The battle is over. We need to submit to God's way. We need to submit to God's control. If you think this sermon is just about submitting the pastor, you missed it. Because it doesn't matter about me. It matters, are you submitting to yourself? And that will end in separation and torment forever from God. Or you submit to your Creator and accept His love and His forgiveness and put yourself under His control. Don't you think God knows better? So I have some questions for you today in this season. I think they're, we're trying something new here, so we'll see what happens. I put these questions up here, and hopefully I uh, have them written right here. Are you submitting willingly? Think about that. 
what God's telling you or the structure God's put you in? Are you submitting willingly? And if you're not, you need to submit to God's way. Next question. Um, are you always striving to be humble? I'm going to be honest with you. I need to mentally think about strapping that apron on every day because most days it's like, hmm, that's wrong. I'm talking about myself. We need to submit to God's way. And lastly, what are you yielding? Oh, I'm yielding good works and I'm yielding people like me, but I'm not giving them grace, whether publicly or secretly. And I'm not growing in grace. Guys, the only way you can submit to God's way is by His grace. And we have a time of invitation as we stand to our feet. question I have for you today, the first call of grace is this. If you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, come and submit and realize you can't save yourself. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died and rose from the dead for your sins and commit to Him as Savior and Lord. Submit to His grace. But for the rest of us today and those questions that we looked at, what is it that you're not doing willingly in your life? How well are you strapping on humility every day? And how well are you trying to not do it yourself, but to swim and live in the grace of God? And you may need to use this altar to pray and lay some things down or talk to me, but wherever you're at, if you do not submit to God's way, it will not end well. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Submit to God's way. Lord, however we need to be obedient today, when we say yes to you, in your name, Jesus, amen.